Zen nicotine pouches deliver nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime, which means Zen pairs well with you, your personality, your schedule, and your spontaneity. Zen fits easily into your bag, pocket, and into your life because it's smoke-free, hands-free, and hassle-free. So the only person who will know you have a Zen pouch in is you. Visit Zinn.com or head to your local convenience store today to find your Zen. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's program possible. It's Dexcom. With the new Dexcom G7, you get better diabetes results without those awful finger sticks. It sends your glucose numbers to your compatible phone or to your watch so you can always see where you are and where you're heading. See how food and exercise affect your glucose. It makes it easier to spend more time in range and lower your A1C. Take more control of your diabetes with the number one recommended CGM brand. It's so easy to get started today at Dexcom.com. Dexcom.com. Dexcom data on file 2023. If your glucose alerts and readings from the G7 do not match symptoms or expectations, use a blood glucose meter to make diabetes treatment decisions. For a list of compatible devices, visit Dexcom.com slash compatibility. Thanks, Dexcom, for being our partner. What's up? This your boy Lil Duval, and check out my podcast, Conversations with Unc, on the Black Effect Podcast Network. Each and every Tuesday, Conversations with Unc podcast feature casuals and in-depth talk about ebbs and flows of life and the pursuit of happiness. Unlike my work on stage, I tap into a more serious and sensitive side to give life advice and simply offer words of encouragement, yet remind folks to never forget to laugh. Every Tuesday, listen to Conversations with Unc, hosted by Lil Duval on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, or wherever you get your podcasts. Presented by AT&T. Connecting changes everything. Big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress. Lisa's Sapira Hybrid has been named Wirecutter's best hybrid mattress five years running. For a limited time, save up to $700 off select mattresses plus two free pillows. Go to lisa.com forward slash Nancy for an additional $50 off mattresses and select goods. That's L-E-E-S-A dot com forward slash Nancy. Thanks, Lisa Mattress, for being our partner. Body Bags with Joseph Scott Morgan. fond remembrances of living in New Orleans for many years was that you didn't just have to go to the French Quarter, you could just be in a neighborhood down there and then off in the distance you would hear the sound of a trumpet playing and that city is just filled with professional jazz musicians and it's almost like a siren song it draws you you know you hear that sound it rises high in the air becomes very soulful and it it draws you in and when you go down to the jazz clubs and New Orleans the doors are all open you can hear the sounds of the music emanating from the doors that location in America has a lot of trumpeteers but I want to tell you today about a gentleman named Scott Sessions he lived in a place that wasn't known for jazz. I guess it's, it's known more for cowboys, maybe, up in northern Colorado. But he was known. He was known as a fantastic trumpeteer. He had played for years and years in a variety of bands and was beloved. And I mean beloved. But what happened to Scott was absolutely horrific. Scott was eventually found deceased. And it turned out that it was a murder. Today, I'm going to talk about the murder of Scott Sessions and Heather Frank. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. I got to tell you, when you begin to think about somebody that puts so much time into everything that they do, and they are truly a professional, it's almost like seeing somebody throw a brick through a beautiful stained glass window. That's what this is. 
Joining me today is my friend Jackie Howard, executive producer of Crime Stories with Nancy Grace. Yet again, you picked a very complicated case that's going to take a lot to unpack. This is thought to be a love triangle gone wrong. There's some indications that it may not have been a love triangle gone wrong. Again, a very, very complex case. And the deaths that we're talking about today, Stanley Scott Sessions, 53, the trumpeter, as you were talking about, and Heather Frank, 48. Heather Frank was dating Kevin Eastman for some time, and by all accounts from friends and family, it was a very toxic, violent relationship, very controlling and manipulative. Then Heather Frank became interested in Sessions, the trumpeter. She had gone to, as you said, to watch him play, and a relationship blossomed from this. Given the toxic, manipulative nature of the original relationship, it was evident that Eastman was not going to let go. And often friends said that Heather Frank came to work with bruises and visibly upset. So before we get into the actual murders, Joe, I want to talk about that toxic relationship, the visibility of a toxic, abusive relationship when you are on the outside looking in, Joe, obviously we're not going to see the emotional side, but visibly we often can. What does this toxic, abusive relationship look like on a body? Well, you say that you're not going to be able to see the emotion, but you can see it, I think, physically manifested. If you're a keen investigator and you've been, you know, you start to dig into a case and with, in Heather's case, you know, she's... She's got these peripheral people in her life that she works with. And so she'd show up to work and she would have bruises on her person. And the interesting thing about that, and I found this working cases many years, is that people that only see you during the day, say work, not family members necessarily, but people that see you from day to day and then you're on a break from a weekend, They'll see this progression of injuries, and they, they might think at first, well, maybe she bumped into something, or, you know, that's their first blush, if you will. But then they'll see something else manifested in another location, and then suddenly a pattern begins to develop. You know, why is this woman who seems rather stable in her gait, walks normally, she doesn't seem disoriented or, you know, maladjusted in any way, it, it, how it's not possible that she's bumping into furniture all the time you know it's not possible right you're talking about the old i ran into a door excuse yeah yeah and you you find that all the time this even extends to to adolescents to children you know that are being abused and so in this particular case you would look at this and you would begin to think about you know the things that we talk about about aging and injuries and one of the interesting practices that my colleagues engage in that do abuse cases is that they have a scale that they grade bruises or contusions those focal areas of hemorrhage throughout the body with uh, children primarily where they're looking as the bruise begins to recede and there's time elements that can be attached to that so I've, I've worked cases before where we have overlapping progressions of bruises where you'll have something that has turned that kind of disgusting yellow color as we know that the bruise is beginning to recede. And then you'll have a fresh bruise that'll be immediately adjacent. And you know, you know that you know science dictates that those two things could not have occurred at the same time. Hang on. Let me ask you a question there, Joe. Yeah. You're talking about the, the yellow-green discoloration, mm -hmm. and, and then you talked about looking at fresh bruises. Can you quickly run through that? Are they deep purple immediately? Is that no, no, how no, no, you no, tell no. the... No. Okay. No. 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 And that, that's an excellent question. The first thing that's going to occur, you know, if somebody slaps somebody in the face, that's kind of the classic, you know, the classic thing you think about. Well, you're going to have a red mark, and the red mark will exist for a few hours, and then all of a sudden, and, you know, you have to ask, well, what causes the red mark? Well, it's underlying hemorrhage, particularly if you're struck hard enough. Now, the skin is going to react and turn red just by that kind of blunt contact, but when you really hit somebody hard, it'll be red 
and the little capillary beds, you know, we think about petechiae many times. We talk about capillary beds. But in this particular case, you'll have a, a broader area where you rupture multiple of these little capillary beds. The blood actually goes into the interstitial tissue. What that means is that it's leached out of the vessels, and it's into that kind of underlying fatty tissue that's there, and it takes a while for it to change. The really horrible thing about this, when you see a bruise, is actually the blood decomposing beneath that layer of skin and it takes a while for it to kind of transition out and the body has a way of kind of pushing that out and you know metabolizing it if you will in its own way so you know you'll have specific grading that you can do relative to these bruises where it will go from that red that we mentioned into this kind of black blue phase and people will just make offhanded remarks you know i was beaten till i was black and blue you know it's kind of an offhanded remark but that's one of the points along the continuum. And then as it progresses from that color range, which is going to take a couple of days, you're going to see it start to turn green most of the time as it's beginning to recede. And then finally, it goes into that yellow phase. You can't put a specific time to it, but all in all, these things will be back to quote unquote normal at the outer marker is going to be about 14 days until it's kind of moved all the way through. And people are going to, it's going to be as variable as people are variable because everybody's metabolism is different and the way they react to trauma and all these sorts of things. But in Heather's case, they talk about how she was seen with these bruises. And this isn't just a a passing thing you've got multiple people that saw bruising on her so they know that something is going on domestically with her so when you see someone with a bruise if it is super dark in color what you're telling me is is that the injury to that area was enough that it damaged a lot of blood vessels yeah yeah the underlying blood vessels you know, this is not something most people think about day to day, you know, but when you look at your skin, there, there are a number of programs out there that you can computerize these things with and appreciate all the, the vessels in the body. And I've seen these things where they've got arteries highlighted and, and veins highlighted and they're throughout the body and they kind of, it's kind of a, an exploded view of the body, if you will. That's only touching the surface of it because extending out from that, you have capillary beds which is actually where the blood is kind of exchanged. And it goes from arteries to arterioles to venules back to veins. And so these things are even more complex. And there's these entire fields of these capillary beds throughout our body. And so when, and they're rather delicate. So when they're, they're struck externally, you know, by blow, blunt force trauma, these things are going to rupture, and then you'll just begin to seep out blood into these particular little areas. And it just, it, it's, it, the beauty of it from a forensic standpoint is that, you know, we're all about time and timelines and that sort of thing. And it's just one more of those, those elements that we can apply to understand what was going on in that anti-mortem state before death with an individual that can obviously no longer speak for themselves. You don't have witnesses to these things, but you can kind of begin to develop a history. They were struck in this location, this particular day, in this location. And with abuse victims in particular, one of the things that's very troubling, and you know, I'm hesitant to say this, but I'll go ahead, is that many times with abusers, they won't strike people in the face. They won't strike people on the arms necessarily. With abusers, many times, they'll strike, and particularly with children, they'll strike them in clothes or covered areas. You know, you're still getting across that point that you're in charge, you're the dominant factor here, and I'm going to bring pain upon you, but no one's any the wiser because their back is struck lower back or they're punched in the stomach or kicked between the legs and things like that. So, Normal progression of somebody's day, you're not going to necessarily see that. In Heather's case, though, in Heather's case, she obviously had injuries maybe to her neck, her arms. So it's kind of a randomized kind of thing. It's not, it it's almost gives you an impression that it's, it's almost a reactionary kind of event, perhaps. Sessions was killed first. And the location of his suspected murder led prosecutors as they unfolded the facts in this case, to believe that he was killed at Heather Frank's apartment. 
So let's talk about, number one, how did he get there? And what happened to him, Joe? He, according to prosecutors, bled profusely. And I can't wait to Mm. talk to you about the evidence in the apartment and how they found it. But what happened to Sessions? The term that I would I would apply to this is the term ambush. He was lured to Heather Franks's apartment, and then he was ambushed, and his life was just spilled out literally onto the floor in that apartment. And later, you know, the police found evidence of this. He he was attacked with an edged weapon, which essentially means a sharp instrument. This, this is sharp force trauma that he sustained. And he had, he, you know, people really, you know, they, they think about, you know, they'll use terms like euphemistic terms, you know, like, well, you're really cutting your own throat, those sorts of things. Well, the reason that term has kind of entered the lexicon over, you know, centuries for us is because that traditionally has been one of the most fatal areas that an individual can sustain trauma in, in Scott's particular case. He actually had his throat cut. He had his throat cut almost immediately upon entry into Heather's apartment. Is that a difficult thing to do, Joe? I mean, let's just look at the mechanics because we've all seen TV. Hmm. Somebody comes up behind you, they grab you on the forehead and they slide a knife across your throat. Blood goes everywhere. Is it that easy? Well, a lot of it's going to be dependent upon the strength of the individual, the perpetrator that is bringing about this assault. Also, does the individual that's being attacked completely have their guard down? That means that you have to have them in a, in almost total submission. And, of course, you can factor in things like skill with an edge weapon. It, it's dealing with edged weapon attacks is not something that is entered into lightly when you think about well what are all the different sets of weapons that i could bring to bear in a case like this and you choose edge weapons well one of the problems with edged weapons is that there's a high probability that the perpetrator is going to run the risk of harming themselves as well, creating an injury on their own self. Because, you know, let's face it, if you don't take somebody by surprise, they're going to fend you off as best they can, at least at a primal level, you know, throwing up their arms and those sorts of things to give themselves a chance to survive. And you might, if you're the perpetrator, wind up being cut yourself. But in this case, there's not really that much evidence of it. But if you show up to this event, you can take somebody by surprise and the weapon is sufficient to the task. And what I mean, what I mean by that is it's robust enough because, you know, I've, I've had cases where people have gone to discount stores and, and purchased steak knife sets, you know, that are made who knows where. And the strength of the blade is insufficient to the task. Blades break off. They don't have the edge on them. But if you have a robust weapon, and there's any number of ways that we can describe that, but the quality of the the steel itself that it's made with, the edge of the weapon, if there is a a great edge on that on that weapon, yeah, you can do a lot of harm if you know what you're doing. Heather Franks was killed later, but after her body was found and investigators started going to her home and looking at what happened, they discovered this pool of blood. And there was so much blood, Joe, that it seeped through the carpet, through the pad. Hmm. So remind me again how much blood there is in the human body. And when it pulls out like that, what are they going to find? That is a fantastic question because, you know, one of the things that that we actually look for at autopsy and it's kind of a tell when your people might might think this is a kind of an incidental finding but it's actually very significant when you're dealing with a sharp force injury attack you're going to bleed profusely okay and at autopsy and i've actually been present when this happens i've actually attempted to do it you draw blood out of the body right you draw blood and we go in literally into the aorta, which is the big vessel that comes off the heart. I have done autopsies on bodies where they bled so much at the scene that I literally had to truly 
struggle to find blood to draw out of the body just in order to get a sample for toxicology. Many times with edged weapon events, we'd have to go into the leg, into the femoral artery where you've got kind of peripheral blood sources in order to draw blood because you bleed so much. These injuries are very nasty. The difference between this and a gunshot wound, for instance, gunshot wounds, those injuries, not all, not all, but those injuries are kind of small compared to somebody literally having their body opened up with a knife. And so you're contacting multiple vessels, all those capillary beds, the underlying vessels, and any kind of viscera, any kind of the organs that are beneath that. So you've got multiple blood, you've got multiple sources of blood loss. So, you know, if the human body has, it's going to be variable. Again, you think about the human body having, you know, about two gallons of blood in it, I guess. There's a chance that you can lose almost every bit of it. And, And again, a lot of that is going to be dependent upon where the injury is. And let's say, for instance, you're, the back of somebody's calf is cut. All right, Now, you're going to bleed, obviously. That goes without stating. However, you compare an injury to the calf with a sharp-edged weapon to, say, the throat, there's no competition because there are so many vessels that travel through the neck And we've talked about this any number of times, but it needs to be repeated. You've got major vessel structures that are running through the neck to supply the brain, which out of all the organs in the body, the brain requires the most blood. So when you start to get into the the complex involving the jugular veins and then the carotid arteries, you're talking about major blood loss because guess what? The heart hasn't been disrupted yet. The heart's still pumping. And as the heart pumps, you're going to have this gush of blood that is coming out of the neck. And if the person hits the floor and stays in one spot, it will saturate that underlying area. And then Scott's death, and when they were able to actually recover the evidence of this event at Heather's apartment, you're right. You had a layer of carpeting, the top layer, and then the pad, which people are familiar with, that kind of softens, you know, softens the your your footfall. And then down into the subflooring, that area was super saturated. And why is this important forensically? Well, we can look at that bloody area and type the blood. We can actually type it and loop it back to whose blood it might have been through blood type and then of course we can collect it and perhaps if there's a viable sample we can do dna but it also gives us another indication the dynamics of the event you know you begin to look at it and you think well if i've got this heavy concentration of blood right here and there are no other say peripheral areas of blood like blood drops or any kind of blood staining on the walls or anything like that What we can opine at that point in time is that the individual that sustained this injury didn't move any further than that location. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen Nicotine Pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. 
It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX anniversary sale is on now at knix.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super-comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. What kind of person possesses the will to perpetrate such a violent crime on another person and and not just a person that they were involved in an intimate relationship with but a person that they didn't really know how much anger and how much hatred would have to be brought to bear in order to take a a knife and cut somebody's throat it's absolutely startling when you think about it it's a little ironic that you say it like that joe because slicing Sessions' throat is not the only injury that this man had. Yeah, it's really not. And as I mentioned, this is an ambush attack. There were multiple sharp force injuries to the back of his neck, according to what the courts have said and what was said at trial. It wasn't just simply the cutting of the throat. And we talk about things in forensics in degrees many a times. Sometimes we, we don't have, <laughs> we don't really have the, the verbiage to apply to it many times. It's, it's very interesting when you read autopsy reports and you hear people in forensics talk and they're talking about injuries. They'll use the term gaping quite a bit. And I'm in no way making light of this, but if folks at home will just imagine what a, a sharp force injury, where the edge of that blade is actually drawn across the surface of the anterior neck, it creates this kind of gaping injury that looks very similar to a smile. And the reason that happens is kind of the biomechanics that are involved in the person wielding the knife and, of course, the surface of the neck. So when they cut many times, it's not just going to be straight across the throat. And that's one of the the kind of weird things that you'll see in Hollywood. You know, they'll display that kind of event like that. It's generally not. It's going to be kind of elliptical in shape where it'll go from high to low then back to high many times if there can be direct pressure applied for the entire stroke of that blade and one of the things that really kind of grabs you in the death of scott and the injury that he sustained when they were finally able to assess it is the fact that investigators had described and the pathologist had described the fact that scott's head was almost completely separated from his body 
So what that means is that you're not just going through these vessels that we've talked about, you know, these major vessels that supply the brain with oxygen, but you're also going through all the muscle attachments and, and some of these features that keep our head upright, if you will, the musculature and all those sorts of things, till the individual would have gotten down to the spinal processes, those stacked vertebra in the, the cervical area that hold our head up, upright, you know, that structure that had gotten all the way down to that point to where his neck was in such a condition that when they observed his body, there was this idea that, that he had almost been decapitated. And again, I think that that's a demonstration of how much anger and hatred is involved in an attack like this. So would the near decapitation come from the repeated blows? I mean, let's be realistic. When you look at your neck, it's smaller than your torso, than your head. So is the near decapitation from repeated cuts? We said that he had many injuries to his neck. Or did that come from one long slice across his throat? It can. And again, a lot of this is dependent upon the amount of pressure that can be applied in one fell swoop and how sharp the edge is on the blade. I would suspect that this occurred as a result of multiple multiple insults or strokes across that area. It would be very difficult, I would think at least, to render this kind of injury with one blow, we're not talking about somebody swinging an axe here, okay? We're talking about an individual that is using a handheld blade where they're having to generate all of this force by moving their hand either from left to right or right to left and getting down into that tissue. I don't see that it would necessarily be possible to do that. So you would have to do this multiple times and, you know, to reemphasize this point, this gives you an indication as to how much time the perpetrator would have had to have spent doing this, how much rage, how much anger is driving this event that is so unimaginably horrific. And it really goes to, I think at least, to the pathology of an individual that would do this. Because, you know, it's not like you've got somebody that is in the person of Eastman. You don't have somebody that's working, say, for instance, in a slaughterhouse, okay, that's day after day. They're used to seeing blood. They're used to seeing, I mean, let's face it, the death of animals. There's almost kind of a disconnect between what they're doing occupationally and the gore that they're they're subjected to. This is a guy that to the best of our knowledge, it doesn't have this level of experience, certainly not in the immediate. He wasn't doing a job like that. So they have to have a very strong driver behind them that, you know, we're not talking about doing this to some poor animal in a slaughterhouse. We're talking about a fellow human being. I mean, just let that sink in and resonate with you just for a moment. And this is another point along this is that in doing this, you talk about contact trace evidence. Oh, my Lord. This particular case, you know, he would have had to have cleaned himself up very, very well, gotten rid of his clothes. More than likely, that's what happened because he would have been super saturated in blood because this is not something you just merely walk away from. This is not like you've taken firearm and shot somebody and then you're essentially absent visible visible evidence on your body and i know that people say well you can get you know blood staining that blows back on you yeah you can and there's gunshot residue but come on let's face it what we're talking about here is just the depths of horror before we talk about the discovery of session's body let's jump ahead and talk about the death of heather frank for a second heather frank continued about her quote-unquote, normal life for a week before she was killed. How was she killed, Joe? With Scott, you know, we've talked about this ad nauseum relative to sharp force injuries, but with Heather, Heather was actually shot, shot twice in the chest with twenty-two caliber ammunition. It's a much, I don't know if the term merciful really fits in here, but let's face it, in the grand scheme of things, you're not almost decapitating her. 
All right. So it would have been a much cleaner death, I would think, and much less dramatic, if you will, because if she's shot in the chest, there's a high probability that you're going to hit a vital area, perhaps the heart, the lungs, and death would soon follow thereafter, depending upon the location of the injuries. But we do know that she was shot in the chest. And fascinatingly enough, when Eastman was discovered, he actually had 22 caliber ammunition in his pocket. And that was what she was killed with. Yeah, she was, in fact, killed with twenty two caliber ammunition. You've got kind of this this forensic tieback. You know, that's a very specific ammunition. And yeah, a lot of people have it. I think twenty two caliber is one of the most popular types of ammunition that's out there. People use it for varmint hunting. You know, it's a very small caliber. It's probably the smallest. Now, I know there are people out there who say, well, it's not the smallest. There's this, yeah, there's these other kind of off-the-beaten-path ammos that are out there. But I'm talking about something that is widely sold when, you know, we've gone through ammunition shortages in this country. One of the things that goes off the shelf first is 22 caliber ammunition. And it's because it's a smaller caliber. People can keep it around. They use it for varmint hunting. They use it for what's referred to as plinking, which is just target shooting out on property and that sort of thing. A lot of people possess 22 caliber weapons, whether it be a pistol or whether it be a shoulder-fired arm. So just the fact that he had it in his pocket is not necessarily mean that he did the killing. But then when you combine the fact that that she's found with these rounds that had been pumped into her chest and that he had the same ammunition and the fact that when she was found deceased, she was actually found in an area he had access to wrapped in plastic and tied up with baleen wire. So here's the point I want to make about these two murders, Joe. Given the fact that prosecutors believed that Heather Franks lured Sessions to her apartment to make this murder happen, she was part of it. Whether it was coerced by abuse, doesn't really matter. She was a part of it. So then why was she killed? If she was a part of this to begin with, why did she have to die? You know, I've had somebody else ask me that question about this because, you know, you think about how some people have put forth this idea that this toxic relationship that these two had, and it it lasted for seven years, all right? It was on again, off again. They'd fight and carry on and whatnot. If she was so afraid of him and she had lured Sessions to her apartment, why would Eastman kill her? Because you would think that he could control her, you know, just merely through fear. I think that, and some people put forth this theory that after a time he realized that she could talk, that she would be a source of information that would tie him back. And let's, <laughs> this is not just like, you know, randomly bumping into a car when you're driving down the road and you've got a passenger that witnesses it. We're, we're talking about bringing a man to your apartment. We're talking about you being a witness to him literally ambushing this man, the sweet, beloved man, and you're bearing witness to him cutting his throat till he bleeds out on the carpet. We're thinking about potentially her health helping him, that is Eastman, remove Scott's body and helping to dispose of it. All of those things in in his mind at least are kind of connecting these dots and he has maybe a, a moment of lucidity where he says look if if i don't get rid of her she can tie me back to to this murder this this disposal and then my life is over with so if i remove her from the equation even though i quote unquote love her i gotta get rid of her i gotta get rid of her and i gotta do it right quick The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zen for a spin. Zen nicotine pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Ready to start your new journey? Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge. Enjoy Zen nicotine pouches for 10 days and discover a fresher way to experience nicotine satisfaction anywhere, anytime. Here's how to get started with the Zen 10 Challenge. 
Simply pick your strength and varieties online and check out. Once your Zen nicotine pouches arrive in the mail, enjoy pure nicotine satisfaction at your leisure. After your 10-day trial, let us know what you think. If Zen isn't for you, no hard feelings. It's that simple. Order online at Zen.com. That's Z-Y-N.com to start your new journey today with the Zen 10 Challenge. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. It took 11 years to get to the sale. The NYX Anniversary Sale is on now at KNIX.com. Celebrate the intimate apparel company that has reinvented products for real life with one of NYX's biggest sales of the year. Get 30% off all leak-proof apparel from the number one leak-proof brand in North America, including period underwear, swimwear, activewear, and more. Millions of people have made the switch to NYX leak-proof underwear, and there's never been a better time for you to try. Save 30% on super comfortable, machine-washable, and great-looking underwear that's perfect for periods and light bladder leaks. Choose from a variety of colors, styles, and sizes, from extra small to 4XL. You can even match your leak-proof underwear with an incredibly supportive and comfortable NYX wireless bra. Don't miss this chance to stock up on your NYX favorites or try something new. It only happens once a year at NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com for the NYX anniversary sale. Hurry, the sale ends on Monday, May 13th. Go to NYX.com. That's K-N-I-X.com. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. You know, when you get up there to this area of the country where these two horrific deaths took place, it's isolated. It's beautiful. It's, you know, it's it's more like you're not right in the middle of the Rockies. You can probably see them in the distance in a couple of locations there. We're talking about Laramie and Weld counties, not too far from Greeley and Fort Collins in that area up in northern Colorado. What's absolutely shocking about this is that this case these two homicides were so brutal and so horrific and it's so isolated i had this kind of moment of clarity when i'm going over these cases to talk about them i suddenly came to a realization well county is actually where chris watts had killed his entire family what are the odds i think that you would have these two completely unconnected events happen in such a rural isolated area that's you know by all accounts very peaceful area what they found out at the scenes though involving sessions and and frank was absolutely horrific we've seen this over and over again joe on body bags people think that it's easy to render down a body let's just throw them in the fire that's what happened to Sessions' body. Yeah, you're right. It was. It, and it rendered down, and we're just talking about the lower torso. There was still sufficient remain left behind that Scott's body was found, you know, still intact to the point where they could do an assessment on his remains, the upper torso. And they could assess the this injury to his neck, you know, that we talked about that was so horrific, but... Also, one other significant finding that kind of connects these two deaths. Scott's body was found in Laramie County, and then Frank's was found over in Weld County. Scott had plastic melted to his face, and it can be surmised that his body had, in fact, been wrapped in plastic. And not only wrapped in plastic, but the same plastic 
that was used to wrap up Heather Frank's body that was intact. Her body was intact. She had been shot uh, multiple times, wrapped in plastic, and then tied off with, with baling wire. But Scott had been placed into this burn pit, and his remains were burned. It was an insufficient job. It was insufficient to the task. And we hear that theme over and over and over again in forensics. And I certainly talked about it here on body bags. And the individual that's doing this either loses the will to continue on with what they're doing. They get distracted. Maybe they have to go to work. Maybe they're, they don't have sufficient supplies in order to keep this up because, you know, when you're burning a body, you have to keep this heat going and it's not something that can be backed off of because you're in an open area this is not a crematory you're having to always stoke the fire turn the fire and in a sense come in contact constantly with the remain can, can anyone possibly imagine what that's like you're you're standing over a fire pit that you have seemingly created and you're applying fuel you're applying accelerant you're turning the fire and Maybe all of a sudden you have this kind of epiphanal moment. It's like, oh, my God, I'm I'm actually burning another human being's body here. And you just kind of walk away from it for a moment. And in this particular case, when the fire was not tended to properly, that's the moment, you know, forensically when you get a break. Because that means that all of the evidence hasn't been consumed by the fire. You still have this gaping wound in the neck where you can actually make the assessment that the head was almost, you know, separated from the body. And also this plastic that is a tieback. And we look for tiebacks in forensics all the time, connectivity, if you will, the sinew that kind of holds everything together. And this plastic that was found on Scott Sessions' body was also found wrapping Heather Frank's body. Investigators are not just going to look at that and go, oh, there's green plastic on both of these bodies. must have come from the same source. They're actually going to set out to prove that it came from the same source. How do they do that? Yeah, that, isn't that interesting? When you begin to think about, there's any number of ways that like plastics, sheeting like this can be tied back. We think, first off, you have to do a general overall classification. And again, that's one of the things that's done in forensic practice. You look at the plastic that you have, and they've they've termed this as construction grade plastic, which means it's robust, and it also means that it is unique. That this is not necessarily the kind of plastic sheeting you're going to have laying around in your garage. Okay, it's not the same type of plastic you're going to put down in your garden, for instance, when people put down a barrier of plastic in order to keep weeds from from growing up through it. This is a very particular type of plastic that has specific features. We begin to think about the thickness of it. You know, how robust is it? We think about color and what kind of sources locally could you acquire this plastic from or where is it being used? Did you go into a job site? Did somebody go into a job site and steal the plastic? Was the individual that was using this involved in construction, which, of course, Eastman was? And then, you know, when you get into more of the dense forensics here, these plastics have very specific chemical structures. And if you want to go this far with it, you can begin to think about, well, if we've got plastics involved in this case, are these two things chemically related molecularly? You know, is it the same composition, that sort of thing? Because these things have a formula to them that are very specific to that brand. You can also look if it's perforated in any way. Forensic scientists that are involved in trace evidence can actually match up perforations if it's torn away. You can also think about how was it cut. And again, that implies the use of a bladed instrument in order to facilitate that. So there's any number of ways that you can kind of tie this back. And they were able to, the police were actually able to kind of marry up, if you will, the plastic found melted to Scott's face and that plastic that Heather Frank's body was wrapped in. Let's talk one more piece of connectivity that you're talking about. When Heather Frank's body was found, it was found next to a woodpile. Not only was it found next to a woodpile, there was a large log there that was found smoldering and i think that one of the interesting we're talking about bodies being found if we'll go back to the discovery of scott's body you know scott was missing he had last talked to his dad in the evening preceding these events i think by two days 
and of course he didn't show up for a gig his body was actually discovered on the 10th i believe it was and it was discovered by a snowplow driver now this is one of the coldest times of the year up there in colorado and so snow on the ground snowplow drivers coming along and he sees these human remains out there in the burn pit but what happened was and this is kind of fascinating as the police began to put two and two together in this case they actually drew up warrants for the murder of Scott Session, they drew up warrants for both Eastman and Heather Franks. They wanted both of them for questioning in the disappearance of Scott, and they went so far as to put tracking devices on Scott's vehicle and on Heather Franks' vehicle. And one of the things that, that occurred is that they were able to track Eastman's location relative to Heather's body. They knew that he had visited that area, and then when they went out to conduct a search, they being the police, they discovered her remains. He was actually, now get this, he was actually arrested at a local filling station with a gas can. He was getting ready to burn her body up, and it was just adjacent to this wood pile. There was even a large log, they said, that was out there that was smoldering. So he was prepping. He was getting ready to attempt to render down the body of this woman that he had been involved in an intimate relationship with for over seven years. Kevin Eastman was subsequently convicted and is serving consecutive life sentences in Colorado State Penitentiary. I'm Joseph Scott Morgan, and this is Body Bags. Pause for a big thank you to our partner making today's crime stories possible. It's Lisa Mattress, a collaboration between Lisa and West Elm. The natural hybrid is made from natural latex, natural wool, and environmentally safe foams. The natural hybrid elevates your sleep and supports. Go to lisa.com forward slash nancy to learn more. That's l-e-e-s-a dot com forward slash nancy. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. The journey to a smoke-free future can be a long and winding road. But if you're ready for a change, consider taking Zinn for a spin. Zinn Nicotine Pouches offer a fresh way to discover your nicotine satisfaction. Anywhere, anytime. No smoke, no spit, and no lingering odor. Get in gear with the Zen 10 Challenge and enjoy 10 smoke-free, spit-free days for just $5.95. Order online and start your new journey today. Warning, this product contains nicotine. Nicotine is an addictive chemical. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote.